So I know we just sat down, but I'm just going to ask us to stand for just a, you know, 30 seconds or so. I feel we just need to declare this as a body this morning, that he is good. That right now, regardless of the situation, the stuff, he's still good. He's a good God. And I believe that with all my heart. And so this morning, let's just declare that as a body. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. Father, you are good. The lie of the enemy breathes is that you're not, but you are good. You are so good, God. And Father, we trust you. We give everything to you this morning, God. Father, we push through that fear. We push through that stuff. And Father, we say you are good, and we trust you, Father. Jesus. You may be seated. You know, last week, uh, Ken pushed me to sing last week. For all of you that weren't here, I don't sing. I'm not a singer. That's just not my thing, right? In fact, that was such an awkward moment for me. It's so hard. But even hearing Ken share this morning, God just loves to hear a voice. And he just doesn't care what it sounds like. And that's a beautiful thing. Something's happened in this church. Last week I sing, and this week you're preaching. God just loves you, and he wants to hear from you. Your voice is needed. So don't be afraid to share it with him. Well, is anybody glad to be in the house of God today? I am. This is exciting. So I want to talk about a few things today, but before I get there, just a couple little reminders. Uh, Just a reminder, April 1st is uh, Easter, and uh, we're going to, uh, Kim Wheeler is actually going to be speaking that Sunday, and uh, it's going to be a Sunday where we probably have some specials and some other things, and so we just want to encourage you as a body just to invite people that Sunday to come. I think it'll be a great Sunday just to connect with people, and so mark that down, that's April 1st. And as well, the following Sunday, which is April the 8th, uh, we're going to be doing some baptisms. Yes, yay is right, absolutely. And uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. If you have not been baptized, and if you're over 14 years old, you should really consider getting baptized. If you're in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s, you need to get baptized. This is one of the core things about our faith. And uh, at 17 years old again, that's when I got saved. And so I got saved. I got healed in my left knee the first week I was saved. And then I think about two weeks later, I got baptized. And to me, that's just the way you did it. You got saved, delivered, and baptized. Because you commit yourself to Jesus Christ. And so, something we haven't talked about a lot, but let me tell you something. It's needed, it's important, and it's an opportunity where your old life is laid down and where your new life starts with Jesus Christ. And it's a public confession that you choose to walk with him all all the days of your life. And so, again, I want to encourage you, if you're not baptized, get a hold of the office, talk to a May, and let her know. We're going to put your name down on a little list, and then we'll probably have a baptism class where we talk a little bit more about it. And then on April the 8th, we're going to have a baptism service and hopefully a little bit of celebration, right? I think that would be good. Well, this morning, man, I was going about three ways, and I've been praying this whole week. 
And uh, God has taken me back to something. That I, just, I just don't feel it's time to leave it quite yet. And one of the things that uh, God's put back on my heart again is this whole thing of, you know, these trials, these things we go through. And it's just an endless thing, right? I think we all realize that. That's, there's always going to be opposition in our life. There's always going to be struggle in our life. And I think right now if I was to ask, does anybody have any opposition at all in your life? Let's just see. Just put your hand up. Anything you're working through, any struggles. Put it up high because this is important for everybody to see. Just look around, okay? We're not alone. This is 95% of the hands in this room are up because this is part of life. And I want to talk about that again today. And I was thinking of a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it talks about that he will not give us more than we can handle. Right? You guys all know that one? He will not give us more than we can handle. Some versions say more than we can bear. Others say more than we can stand. And so I started to think to myself this. Well, what does handle mean? What does bear mean? What does stand mean? Because some of this stuff, it's just really hard. Right? And so I looked it up, and I actually looked up the definition of these three terms. But let me tell you first what it doesn't mean, all right? Is it doesn't mean that we will never stumble. It doesn't mean we'll never collapse under pressure. It doesn't mean we'll never fail or mess up, right? In fact, those are things that happen to all of us. Seasons we go through. But when I looked up the word handle, it meant this, that you'll be able to manage it. When I looked up the word bear, you'll be able to carry it. You won't have to carry more than you can. And right away, I thought of, you know, when you're carrying weights and stuff like that, you know, sometimes it's hard. And I know you've all seen those stories where something's happening and all of a sudden someone can reach down and lift more weight than he's ever, never left, lifted before, right? We have those moments where we realize that we actually have more strength than we realize. So sometimes what we don't think we can carry, we can because he knows exactly what we can carry. And then I looked up the word stand, and the word stand meant this, to be able to endure to be able to tolerate. That actually whatever is going on in your journey right now, that you are able to endure it and you are able to tolerate it. I want to flip over to James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Because James actually goes a little bit further with this whole thing. And I read this and I thought, man, this is really hard. Okay, so let's just read this first and talk about it for a second. It says in James chapter 1, 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Let me read that again to you, because when I read that, I had to read it two or three times, right? Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. You know, I was reading that, and, 
you know, of course, God just brings back stories and things to your mind, and I've probably shared some of these stories with you before. But I started thinking of situations that have happened in my life. And when those situations were happening, there was a part of me that said, I'll never get over this. This is too hard. Right? I remember the feelings, and I started thinking of just some silly things that happened to me, whether it was physical, spiritual, or just in regards to my faith. And so I started thinking, and God reminded me of a couple silly stories. And again, one of them was when I was younger. I was living at Rick and Della's house. Rick will remember this one well. I remember one day I was in the kitchen, and I was just going to grab a glass of water. Right? Went to grab the glass of water, and when I pulled it out, it slipped, it dropped, hit the countertop, shattered, and once it shattered, the pieces of glass went all over the place. Well, not a big deal until I looked down. When I looked down, all of a sudden, I seen blood coming out of my foot, and it was shooting this high, and it was just pouring out of my foot. And as I'm watching this, I go into complete panic because in my head, I'm going to die. Look at all the blood coming out of me. And I just remember saying, Rick, Rick, Rick. And he came out of the little TV room there, and he just looked, and I thought he was going to go down. I was positive. And then he ran, and I think he got a towel. And then my two friends, Jason and Ryan, were there too. He got got a towel, and he wrapped it around my foot. And then all of a sudden, I watched my two friends. We'll get the car. We'll go get the car right now. We'll get him to the hospital. And this panic is setting into everybody. And I'm thinking to myself, this is chaotic. Am I going to die? Am I going to lose all my blood? I just remember all this stuff going through my head. Have you ever had that happen? Blood shooting that high? Okay, so this is a scary moment. Don't judge me for it. It's a scary moment, all right? So this is happening, but my friends were just as scared. I remember Jason and Ryan picking me up, right, throwing me in the back of your old van, if you remember that. And they drove, I swear, we went to the Stony Plain Hospital, and they must have been driving between 180 and 200 kilometers an hour, right? (laughs) We get there, and I'll never forget this. I remember these two guys carrying me into the hospital. And as we walk in, we need help. Somebody help. He's bleeding. He's bleeding out. It's everywhere. Somebody help. And we see all these people sitting all over just like, just staring at us. And the nurse is like, well, just grab a seat. He's like, but he's bleeding out. He could die here, right? I mean, it was just total panic. And so they sit me down, and the doctor comes out. And they only kept me there for a little bit because they thought this must be serious. And the doctor takes me into the back room. He sits me down. He says, all right, let me look at it. And he takes the towel off and he takes a look at it. He says, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work here. He does a little bit of work. And he looks up and he says, that was one stitch. Yeah, one stitch. You know, when I came out, I was like, there's no way I'm telling my friends it was one stitch. (laughs) I remember the drive all the way there. I remember it. I just remember the panic. I remember all the thoughts that came through my head that this, this is too much to bear. It's too much. I'm going to die. I remember that. And so I actually remember we left the hospital and we went go-karting afterwards. And like, seriously, we went go-karting, you know. And again, it just this little situation that happens, it's a physical one where I think God's, God's not going to take care of me. And how quick my head went there. And I thought of another one. This one's quite embarrassing, so if I share this, you're not allowed to bug me about it. All right, Yoshi? Yes, thank you. 
This is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, in fact. My, well, no, last Sunday was pretty bad. All right, last Sunday was, for you that were not here again, Ken made me sing. I don't sing. Do it again, no way. That was pretty bad, but this was embarrassing. I remember when our kids were smaller, and uh, it was late at night, and we had to go get some stuff for them. I can't remember if it was diapers and all that. And we went to Superstore, and we dropped my wife off at the front door. And she got out, and she went in. And my kids were a little restless, so I started to drive around the parking lot, right? And, you know, put some music on and all this stuff, and I'm driving in circles around this parking lot. There's really nobody in the parking lot. It's pretty late. There might have been about five to ten cars, I think. So I'm just driving around, and as I'm driving around the parking lot, all of a sudden, Kalen goes, there's Mom! And he points to the door. And I'm like, where? And I look like this to see her, right? You saw what I just did. And I take my wheel, and I go, oh, there she is. Boom! Smoke something with my van. Now, I can't tell you the whole story. I'm not going to tell you what I said because it wasn't good, right? It wasn't good at all, and it wasn't as bad as you're thinking. (laughs) But it wasn't good, all right? And it was crazy because at that moment, that's when Kaylin started crying and stuff like this. And Jen sees this happening. She's walking out, and she sees this car, this van, drive not into another car. (laughs) No, that would have been better. (laughs) It would have been less embarrassing. Ready? You know those stop signs with the cement around them? Yeah, I drove into one. (laughs) I drove into one of those. One of those cement barriers. And Jen sees this and thinks that I must have passed out or something like that. She's running to the vehicle, right? And she opens the door, and Kaylin's screaming and crying, and she's saying, what's wrong? And Kaylin says, Daddy swore. He's thinking about that. He's not thinking anything about the van, right? And I just looked at Jen, and I'm like, I hit a stop sign. I hit a stop sign. But then the fear crept in. How am I going to pay for this? I have to go to work tomorrow. It ended up being a write-off from hitting a stop sign. A write-off. I mean, everything came in. I, I can't afford this. I can't do this. I, can't. I mean, it was total, God, this is too much again. It's too much. I can't handle this. And I mean, at that time, I was working uh, in the city, and I was stressed out, and I had all this stuff going on. And, I mean, this just added to it. And I remembered it. It was, I'm never going to get through this. And I remember praying. I mean, the day later, our in-laws are lending us a vehicle and all this stuff. And then we're actually going to Uganda. And I find out they're going to give me $4,000 for my van that was a write-off, which was actually a blessing from God, right? And I ended up having someone's vehicle to borrow until I went to Uganda. And it all worked out fine. But, again, just that mindset of, I don't know how this is going to end. Well, those are, those are more silly things in a way. Because I thought, there's so many other ones. There's the small ones, you know. You're, you're starting a new job. You got your first interview. The fear that creeps in. I mean, the first few times you do that, all of you remember that probably. It's not a fun process. But once you do it through two or three times, it's not so hard anymore. You know, meeting new people. Some people, that's really hard. 
But once you've met him enough times, all of a sudden the process gets easier and easier. Well, I thought about the harder things too. My parents divorced when I was six years old. Right? There was a lot of nasty stuff that happened. And again, at that point in my life, I just didn't see it ever getting better. How could it? This is as bad as it gets. But yet I learned our God is a God who redeems everything. Always. And he reminded me of a scripture verse. And I think you guys can all say this one almost with me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do all. Some of you need to say that to yourself right now. Right now. Because some of you, I just feel it right now. There is that stuff. I don't know if I can walk through this. I don't know if I can do this. It seems too much. Let's say this together. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Let's say it one more time. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Yes, you can. I brought something with me today. Yoshi's coming up instead of you, Paul. I've thought about this process so many times, and I started thinking, like, what is this all about? So I brought these little things. Come on. Everybody know what these are? Who doesn't? (laughs) Some people don't. How's your back? All right. Well, are you scared? Okay, good. Grab the other end there and just hold it. Now, again, this is what we call a what? Not yet, not yet. This is a what? It's a resistant band, right? Now, when you start to work out in life, this is the reality, right? This is awesome. I'm so good at this. And as soon as he backs up more, you can see it. The resistance starts to get more and more and more, right? Keep backing up a bit. All right. Now, hold on. Don't let go of it, (laughs) right? Right here, right? I just started thinking about this, right? Now, if I come back here, how much strength am I getting? I'm getting nothing, right? It's not doing anything for me. Stay there. When I get over here, what's happening? There's the resistance. I'm building. Something is happening. Give him a hand. Thanks, bud. That was easy, right? Yes, you can do that. Now, again, I thought about this, and I thought, God, why all the resistance training? Why does it seem like we go, so, go through so much resistance training? I mean, some of you, we could just sit and talk for probably four or five days. I, you could tell me thousands of stories of all the stuff, all the things. And so I started asking God the next question, well, why does all this stuff happen? What's the point of all this stuff? Why do we go through it? Right? I know you're strengthening me so I can be stronger here on earth and all that. I, I get that, but why, 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 why? What's, what's going on here? And I came up with two things. Now, some other people in this room, you could probably come up with 10 or 15, but we'll be here for three days. Right? So we're going to focus on two today. And the first thing I want to talk about this is God's into the business of transformation. He is into the business of transformation. He actually wants each and everyone in this room transformed. He wants our minds transformed and our way of thinking. If we're actually stuck in certain mindsets, there are certain things we will go through over and over and over again until we actually are fully transformed in our mind. He wants that, complete transformation, something to shift inside of our minds. And sometimes transformation is instantaneously, and sometimes it's not. 
right? Who's had something instant, instant, I can't even say the word. Help me out, say it for me. Instantaneously happen to them. Transformation, who's had that? Okay, so there we go. We see it, okay? God does such, just like that. Instantaneously, he transforms. And I thought about this. Let's flip over to Galatians. Galatians, we actually see uh, chapter 1, verse 11. And we're going to talk about Paul. We're going to talk about his journey because here is a journey of transformation that takes place just like that, right? And it says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I solemnly assure you that the good news of salvation which I preach is not based on mere human reasoning or logic. For my message came by direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. No one else taught me. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted the Christians. I did my best to get rid of them. I was one of the most religious Jews of my own age, and I tried as hard as possible to follow all the old traditions of my religion. Verse 15 says this, But then something happens, for it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me, even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Then he revealed his son to me so that I could proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And if we go down to verse 22, and it says, And still the church, still in the churches of Judea didn't know me personally. All he knew was what people were saying. The one who used to persecute us now preaches the very faith he tried to destroy, and they gave glory to God because of me transformation. We know the road to Damascus. We know the story. We know what he did in Acts chapter 6. We know in Acts chapter 9, something happened. Instant transformation. God touched him, changed him, done. I was actually talking to Gavin this week. He's got a similar story. You know, it wasn't the road to Damascus. It was the road to St. Albert. And I mean, on his way to St. Albert, he pulls his vehicle onto the side of the road. And he gave me permission to share this, all right? He's not here today, maybe for that reason, but he gave me permission to share it. He went to smoke a joint, sitting in his vehicle on the side of the road. Pulls out his joint, and he's smoking it. And as he's sitting there, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to him, open your glove box. He opens his glove box. And he sees a Bible that he put in there a long time ago. He pulls out this Bible. While he's smoking a joint. Get this picture. Starts to read this Bible. Throws the joint out. And commits his life to Jesus Christ that day. Instant transformation. See, God is into transformation. And he's starting with this, number one. He wants to get me and you transformed. He wants us to get saved. But he's not going to stop there. Because what's he transforming us into? His image. He's not going to stop, right? He wants us to be transformed into his image. That's what he wants. But sometimes it's actually a process too, right? And some of you are in that place. How many of you, it's a process? Right now, you realize it is. See, it's a process. And I I started thinking of a story that happened because we have this stuff we're working through. And I want to talk to you about something that happened on a... uh, national scale. And this happened in Uganda. 
And years and years ago, probably 10 years ago, we showed this video. And how many of you are familiar with the Lord's Resistance Army in Uganda, the, LL, the LRA? They kidnap the kids. They torture the kids and all that. They make them become child soldiers and all that stuff. Well, the LRA has been, had been in Uganda for years and years and years and years and years and years. I mean, they actually sent their army after them. They did everything in their power to try to get them out. They could not get them out. And then all of a sudden, some of the pastors in Uganda, they started to pray about it. And they felt the Lord told them to go do a few things. So they actually went to the president of Uganda, President Yuseveni, and they told him about this. And the president of Uganda gave them permission to do this. In fact, he said he would send some army people with them, right? Because they were actually going to go to certain staging points of the LRA, places where they actually just spend their time together. And what they felt was the Lord told them, you were going to go to these staging points, and you're actually going to repent, you're going to pour water on it, and you're going to ask the Lord to cleanse the land. So they started to call all the pastors, and they had a good team, I think, of 10 to 12 pastors who started to drive around the nation of Uganda, going to all the main staging points of the Lord's Resistance Army, and they started pouring water on these areas. Now, there was one specific area where there was a whole bunch of rock. And the guards, the soldiers, wouldn't even touch the rock because they considered the rock to be cursed. Right? If they touched it, they thought things could happen to them. And then all of a sudden, they see all these pastors just walk on the rocks. And they're thinking to themselves, these guys are absolutely crazy. What are they doing? And then all of a sudden, they're taking buckets of water and they're dumping buckets of water on this rock. And they're praying, in Jesus' name, cleanse it. In Jesus' name, cleanse this land. In Jesus' name, cleanse this land. By the time they got to their third location, which was by a river, every single soldier that was with them got baptized and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Eventually, they got to a city called Gulu. And to end this thing, what they decided to do was to have a service, and they invited people from the city, the city of Gulu. 2,000 people showed up. When they were there, and they started to do the service, and they started to pray and all this stuff, the Lord told one of the pastors, there's a problem with the people. What's the problem? Witchcraft. They're serving witchcraft. Right now, actually ask them to come to the front to lay down those things, those forms of witchcraft. So the pastor at the front, Asked the congregation to bring those things to the altar. They say the pile was so huge. These were Christian people who came to the service who had to all lay down these forms of witchcraft, right? Thousands of these things all over the place, right? And they repented that day for actually putting their trust in stuff like this, like witchcraft, right? Six months later, think about this. Six months later, for the first time, and I think it's 40 years plus, the LRA leaves Uganda, and they go to the Congo, and they've never returned to Uganda since. Process, transformation can sometimes be a process. But God still wants transformation. Think of that nation and the hardship they went through. I, I can't even think of it, some of the stuff that they had to go through. God wants transformation for each and every one of us in this room today. 
full transformation. He is such a good God that he's not going to leave us the way we are. Because we don't even know and understand the wickedness within ourselves. We can't even see it. But God sees it and he wants it gone. Fully gone. And that leads me to the second reason of why some of this happens, and it's this. I think he's preparing us for eternity with him. Because this is not our home. This is not where we're going to spend all of our days. He's preparing us for eternity for him. And I, I started to think about this. And I started to think about our kids. And as parents, I think we all realize this, that when our kids are young, right, we pretty much do everything for them. Right? We feed them. We change their diapers. We do everything. And each year they get older, I think as parents, all of a sudden what we start to do is we start to actually call them to do some of these things. So when it's time for them to start walking, sometimes, you know, we allow them to fall down. We don't want them to hurt themselves. We don't want these things to happen. But we realize they're never going to learn how to walk if they don't actually start trying and go through some of this stuff. And as kids get older and older and older, and kids aren't going to like some of this. But let me tell you this. This is true. I think about this with my own son. There comes an age where we're not actually helping our kids anymore if we do everything for them. There comes an age where all of a sudden that's not good. It's not healthy. I mean, we could. Trust me, as a parent, I don't know how many of you are tempted. I am. I want to do everything for my kids because I love them. But I realize there is that point where I have to stop doing it all. And they have to start to learn. And I thought about Kaylin again, and I thought, you know what? My job is to prepare him for adulthood. My job is to prepare him for that next phase. It's not to prepare him for where he is right now. It's to prepare him for the next phase of his journey. And so Kaylin had an unfortunate circumstance happen probably about, I don't know, three weeks ago now. Is This year he got his license. Yes, exciting in one way and scary in another way, right? Watch out for the stop signs. Yes, thanks, Jim. <laughs> exciting because I don't have to drive him everywhere now, right? Scary because he's never driven in winter before, and he's under my insurance right now. So that's a scary thing when that happens. And so I told Kaylin, you know, what we'll do is we'll pay for your insurance for the first six months, then I want you to get a job, and you have to start paying for it, and you have to start paying into your gas. If you get into one accident, that's it. You're off of my insurance, right? And he says yes. He agrees to this. So a couple of weeks back, I went with Pastor Mark and Wendy, and we went to, uh, to Banff, to the PAOC uh, Minister's Conference. And on the way home, we ran into a snowstorm. And so as we're driving... I just feel it in my heart, and I'm like, I need to text Kaylin, and I need to tell him to go directly home after school. And so I text him, and then I get a phone call back. I'm like, what's up? He says, you're 15 minutes too late. I'm like, what? He said, Dad, I was 30 seconds from home. Driving around a little corner, hit some ice, panicked and hit the brakes full on, and hit another car. 
And he had no pen and he had no paper, but he had the integrity. He went and knocked on all the doors to try to find somebody. and Nobody answered any of the doors, so he went home. And I started to think his heart was probably pounding and racing. And so then I got home and I started talking to him. And he looked at me and goes, I think she's parking in a no parking area, though. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, it says no parking, like snow route. And I'm like, dude, that means nothing for you. Absolutely nothing. That's if the cleaners are coming. If you hit her, you hit her. You're done. And he's trying to find a way out. And I could just see this panic inside of his heart. And I said, Kalen, we got to go find her. Or whoever the person was at that time. I said, we're going back there. We'll bring a pen and a paper. And we're going to go knock on doors. You're coming with me. And I took him to all these homes. And he's like, Dad. And finally, we knock on the door. And all of a sudden, this wonderful Filipino girl comes out. And she's looking at us all sheepishly, and she's crying. And she says, are you the ones who hit it? And I'm like, no, he's the one who hit it. My son hit it. I didn't hit it, man. I didn't do this. He did it, right? And she's like, I thought you weren't going to come back. She thought it was a hit and run. She was freaking out, right? And I'm just looking at her, and I said, no, 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 we're here. And she goes, are you going to pay for it? Yes. Are you sh- you're going to pay for it. Yes, we're going to pay for it. No, he's going to pay for it, actually. He's going to pay you for this. And in that moment, I watched my son walk up to her because she kept apologizing to us. I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. I'm so sorry, all this stuff. And then I watched my son walk up to her and say, you don't need to be sorry for anything. I did this. And I'm so sorry I did it. And I'm going to take full responsibility. It was one of those moments as a dad, you're like, that was awesome right? That was awesome. Then we got home. I hate my life. My life sucks. It couldn't get any worse than this. This is the worst day of my life. And of course, I checked into all this, and it ends up being around, you know, five, six hundred bucks, whatever. We ended up getting a good deal on this. And I wanted to take care of it for him. I got to be honest with you. But I'm not. I felt like he needs to learn how to do this. He's got to learn because I'm preparing him for that next phase, that next stage. Let me tell you something. God is preparing us for eternity in heaven. He's not preparing us to live on this earth forever. That's not what he's doing. He's preparing us to live with him for eternity. Let me tell you something. I want to be ready for that. Whatever it takes, whatever it looks like, I know he doesn't inflict these things. It wasn't him who made me hit the silly stop sign. That was me, right? That was me. And he took that situation to teach me something because that's what he does. So I want to read just a couple scriptures to you, and I hope it brings you some form of comfort. Just a few of them, and, and a statement, too, I'll throw in there. But Just a statement here I want to read to you first. God never gives people trials in which they will not in which he will not sustain them and bring them through to everlasting glory. And I think we all remember 1 Corinthians 1.8. It says he will sustain us to the end, right? That's the God we serve. He's going to sustain us to the end. He's going to help us get through whatever it is. That's the God we serve. Philippians 1.6 says this. That was embarrassing. Yes, I heard a couple snickers. He who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to complete the work. In fact, I can consider it a joy that he's going to complete that work. 
I want him to complete that work. Is it all going to be fun? No, but I want to be ready for eternity in heaven with him. 1 Peter 1, 4 and 5 says this. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in his mighty power, will protect you until you receive the salvation because you trust in him. And the final one is this, and it's a longer one, but we need to read it. It's out of Romans. It's Romans 8, verse 26 to 30. It says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. Some versions say weakness. For we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows all the hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and he gave them right standing with himself, and he promised them his glory. I actually was really thinking about that, and there were many years I, I, I thought of Della. <laughs> and I remember when us boys weren't really living for God, and we were messing around. One thing I always saw Della doing was she was on her knees in her bedroom praying. Those groanings, those things, I, I know it came out of you. Just those sounds, because I think you've all had those moments, those things that are just so much, so heavy, that you have no clue how to pray. You're not even sure what to do. But let me tell you something. When you actually get to that place where you're before the throne room of God and those groanings and those sounds come out, the Holy Spirit already knows. And the Holy Spirit is already at work. And so we cannot forsake those times. Those times are so valuable and important to us. I want to finish reading James now. Let's go back there. Just in closing here, I want to read it one more time, and then I want us to do something as a body. Again, it says, dear brothers and sisters, this is uh, chapter 1, verse 2 again. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking, but when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth. We actually can come before God and ask him for wisdom. We can actually ask him that. Even into our current situations, we can ask him for wisdom. Because again, our head goes to all the bad parts of it and all the things we see right here and right now. 
there's no, nothing good that can come. Are you sure nothing good can come of this? So I just want us to do something. I want us to stand to our feet. And again, there were at least 95% of you that put your hands up. That you have stuff you're working through. Maybe uh, someone can come to the piano here or whatever. Play something. All I want you to do today is whatever that thing is, whatever it is, right? We're going to lift it up to God. And you using your voice are just going to ask him, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom and understanding. Let me see your heart. Let me see what you're doing. I don't want to go to those places anymore where I'm taken out by this. I want to learn from you. I want to see what you're doing. I want to be fully transformed, God. In fact, I want to be ready for eternity in heaven with you. So just lift those things up with your hand right now. Father God, we lift these things up. All this stuff, I mean, this stuff that takes us out, it so easily ensnares us. It so easily takes us down, God. But Father, right now we ask for your godly wisdom. We don't know what to do. We're not even sure why it's happening. And it's really hard. But God, you can give us wisdom. And so right now in the name of Jesus, that's what we ask for. By faith, God, we love you. We want to walk with you. We know you. We know that you are a faithful God. And so God, today we ask with everything in us, just give us wisdom. So just take a minute in your own way. Just ask him and then we're going to be quiet before him. God, you are a good God. And Father, I pray for each of us in this place today. I pray and I hope that some heard directly from you right now, God. But if they didn't, don't stop right here. I encourage you to go home and to find that secret place with the Lord. And sit down before him. Sit down before his throne room. And don't relent. Sit there and sit there and just sit before him and listen for that still small voice that's going to speak to every single one of you in here. Because that's the God we serve. He's not going to not answer you. And God, take away the doubt when we hear the answer. Because I know this, you love every single one in here, God. And you're not going to give them more than they can handle. And I pray the blessing of the Lord on each one in here in Jesus' name. But we're going to release everybody at this time from the service, but... If you're visiting and you have any questions, uh, I just encourage you to come talk to me. I'd love to chat with you as well. Lori's going to be out there if you want to get information about the church and stuff like that. She's willing to tell you. Uh, If you do need prayer, I want to encourage you to come on up to the front. We'd love to pray for you. So be blessed in Jesus' name.